Welcome to the It Will Come Show Fireside Edition, the show where we interview community leaders, influencers, and professionals on how they found their way in business and life. And today's guest is Brett Solomano, a stuntman and author, speaker, and coach helping people overcome their fears. Growing up in a small country town of less than 2,000 people called Mowala in New South Wales, Australia, Brett was constantly trying to fight the boredom through riding bikes, jumping out of trees in the local river, and watching films. This eventually led him to making his own short films and getting interested in the stunts he used to watch on TV as a career of his own. Moving to Melbourne, Australia, he continued to pursue his dreams as a stuntman in the TV industry and wrote his first book, A Stuntman's Guide to Learning Anything and started running workshops on mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and overcoming fear for both youth and adults. Continuing his passion as a stuntman and coach, he moved to Los Angeles in 2016 and continues to write for his blog and also spec scripts. He's worked for hundreds of companies in between film jobs, traveled the world, and loves to people watch. He has worked with thousands of clients around the world, including disadvantaged, incarcerated, and disabled youth, through to adults stuck in a life they don't want and seeking to follow their dreams and even cancer patients and people with phobias. Whoever they are, Brett offers them inspiration and guidance toward overcoming their fears on their journey. So Brett, to get us started, please tell us a bit about your career origins and how that led to where you are today. Yeah, it's a good question, George. I mean, that's what people ask me quite a bit is, you know, how do you become a stunt performer? Like there is no real stunt school there's i mean there's a few stunt courses but you can't really learn uh something as diverse as uh and unique as a stunt performer in like a four-year course i mean it's just no man. every stunt performer has a yeah has a, has a different personality and different skill sets mine is is largely around driving i mean that's what fascinated me when i'd watch action films as a kid and that's where it all started from I remember actually watching the Matrix trilogy. I watched between year 11 and 12, and I should have been studying for high school. <laughs> between year 11 and 12, I watched all 36 hours of bonus footage over the Christmas holidays, um, studying like all the art department, all the stunt work and all the visual effects. And a beautiful thing, actually, I actually one of the ladies that I studied, the uh, Trinity stunt, I actually got to meet her the other day. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's all coming together, man. But, but all that sort of started from watching films as a kid. And then eventually moving to Melbourne and developing connections with the community there. Again, there's no calling service. There's no job postings for, hey, stuntman, set yourself on fire for X amount of dollars. You know, there's, yeah. there's nothing like that. You know? So you really have to, have to go out there and hustle for it. And it, it's always been connections and people mm. that have got me the next job or the next thing. As we say in the film industry, who you know gets you in the door mm. and what you know keeps you there. That could be for any industry, man. Like that's solid gold. Absolutely. You know, and that's something that I always remember. Like if I'm not out there meeting people or training with people every few days, then somebody else is training with those people. Mm. And because the nature of the film industry is so transient, like they're getting the jobs because they're in front of the people that need to, uh, to hire people. You know? So yeah, moving to Melbourne, I, I started soaking up everything I could in the film industry doing, I was doing pyrotechnics. I did fireworks up on top of like the Eureka Tower one year for the New Year's Eve show. I was a drift instructor for a little bit. I taught gymnastics and parkour and boxing to, to youth. Nice. I'm just trying to soak up all these performance skills, you know, that, that are going to get me some sort of skill set to become an action hero one day, you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, my, my mentors said, 
I kept pushing for driving, you know, that, that was what I really wanted. And my mentors said to me, well, look, the best way to do that rather than spending, you know, 500 or or $1,000 a day, Brett, on a skid pan, which is like a big concrete flat area where cars go around and slide around cones in practice. Nice. Instead of spending money, the best way to go out is actually to serve people and become a commercial or professional driver. So I've driven double-decker buses with, you know, like 85-year-olds on board dancing to the wiggles and all sorts <laughs> of stuff. And I've driven for bucks nights and hens nights and I've driven tankers and I've driven double trailer trucks and I've driven, I was a motorcycle courier for a bit, driven all sorts of things now and that, that kind of diversity has, has then given me the experience towards working in films. You know? So again, there's no one skill set, it's kind of all skill sets that point to one kind of central place and you're always pulling from your toolkit to, to make all those things happen. Yeah. And where are you based now? So right now, uh, I'm living in the what we in Australia see as the, the film capital of the world, which is Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and I moved over here about a year ago, man. And it's been a pretty cool journey moving to such a big city. I mean, it's got like 18 million people or something like that here. And yeah, everyone's on the dream. You know, everyone's trying to hustle to become the next actor or the next performer or, or whatever. And it, it's kind of funny, actually, because talking about it will come George like I actually took a break from stunt work for a bit because like it was, mm. it was a few years where I took a big break and uh, I was just doing other stuff and yeah I said I'm done with stunts you know and in, in my book actually a stuntman's guide to learning anything which I wrote on my break I, like on the back of it it actually says ex-stunt performer Brett Solomon because I'd given up on it you know and I'd stop wow. but then my visa for the US took years to come through and it finally came through which I'd signed up for when I was going for stunts, like more seriously, and I thought I'm going to move over. And then I took a break, and then it finally came through, and I thought, well, okay, like what am I going to do in the US now? Like I'm going to move over and make the most of this opportunity, but I still didn't know I wanted to get back into stunts. But then it's kind of funny, you know, there was just these connections and these mentors, and just people seemed to appear in my life that were going to help me out, you know, and I wasn't really going out there asking for it, but mm. something drew me back to it, you know, there was just some part of me that. Is still resonating on that level. Yeah, I did some work on uh, NCIS LA last year. Nice. Yeah, I got to be part of a bike chase just for one episode, which was cool. And it's just little steps, you know, it's these little things that you just do and, and people see you and like you and you get in the community more. And hopefully one day I can be in the center of it. Very soon, uh, in a couple of weeks, I'm actually going for another audition, which is for uh, Universal Studios Hollywood for the Waterworld show. So I'm practicing in uh, as many ways as I can all my different Swimming skills, swimming underwater, holding my breath, falling into water, possibly even being set on fire. I'm looking back into that. That's one of the skills they need. Jet skis, firearms, fighting, high falls, falling into airbags, that sort of thing. So there's a whole bunch of skills that they need. And I'm hoping that all these skills that I've learned all come together for something, you know, for something like that. Yeah. And I know that you have definitely met a lot of people. And how have the different types of communities affected you on your path and, and your journey? You know, because like each community obviously comes with its sort of own unique mix or makeup. And, you know, there's a lot of like relationship building uh, going on. But uh, yeah, were there any sort of significant communities that came with like unique lessons for you uh, in your journey? There's been not really one that's coming to my head. You know, I've definitely had mentors that have stuck around. And, and these are the people that love to teach. These are the people that are hungry for new ideas and always being on the edge. Mm. They love 
the friendly competition of somebody else wanting to learn from them. So they teach it and they learn back from even me. I, I've been taught by some mentors who are in their 60s and 70s, like stunt drivers who are absolutely amazing. And they just love to learn and teach. And even in their 60s and 70s, they say you never stop learning. And it's people like that that I always try and hang around. And especially even like the co-working spaces that we have in Melbourne, George, like yeah. uh, the Nab Bridge and Hub Melbourne and all those sorts of places that I'm spending time with. These people uh, seem to gather in certain places, people that are hungry and passionate. And I think that's another real strong word to look for in people, people that are up to stuff, you know, mm. people that are making happen every day. Yeah, I don't think it's one community as such. I think it's the people. I always look for the community managers, George, people like yourself even. Who know, And I'm not just plugging you because it's, it's your show. I'm, stop I'm it, Brett, stop it. <laughs> I honestly look for people. And here, I'm just talking to the audience for a second here, George. Just close please, your ears please, for a second. Yes. <laughs> everyone, needs, everyone needs a George Samuels in their life because community managers know everyone else in town. You know, They know everyone in the community. If you bring them a problem, they're not going to solve that problem for you, but they're going to know people who can solve that problem. Mm. And these community managers that I've been uh, connected with uh, in the stunt community, in uh, working with youth as well, there's, there's always those people who just have the next step for you. And you bring any sort of problem to them. They, they don't always get the problem solved, but they just give you a little spark which pushes in the next direction. You know? And I think if you can have good people skills and be a little bit of a chameleon, like, for example, when I was learning truck driving, I had to become pretty confident with, with swearing because at construction industries and working in events, I was working a lot of EDM festivals last year doing pyrotechnics again in the US, in Vegas, in Chicago. And you kind of have to be a bit of a bloke, you know, you have to be a bit laid back and chill and mm. hang out and talk about the ladies and stuff like that. And you have to put that character on, you know. And you have to find that part of yourself that is uh, congruent with that to connect with that community or industry. And same going back to working with kids. Kids can't really swear in front of kids. You know, it's uh, there's, no, there's not any schools that I know of that, that find that acceptable. Mm. And you have to learn to find that silly part of yourself, which is going to be, you know, cracking silly jokes about stupid things that rhyme with each other. And kids love that. <laughs> and, and you've got to find a way for kids to love you through whatever whatever means you can manage you know if you want to teach them something that's what i do yeah it's a really interesting point you make because what you just said about connecting with folks like myself i actually did that a lot with other people so because i i have had a lot of folks come to me sometimes who may be coming from a different country right and coming into a new place and they're like okay I, you know i just kind of like want to know uh where i should be going or who's the right people to go to and I'd always tell them, well, one, you know, find out where the local co-working spaces are and, yeah, actually connect with the community managers. I think, yes. You know, the other equivalent, right, is just like the social influencers or the social butterflies. Say it at, at a corporation. I think you could probably find those same types of people in the receptionist um, if you think about it, right? Because the receptionist, yes. yeah, will, will be connecting with everybody every day. Absolutely. And those kinds of people, I mean, you really have to go and – my kind of rule is, George, like sometimes you just have to go and jump in the deep end, you know, and you just yeah. have to rock up to it and just be honest and humble and say, hey, I'm the new guy in town, you know, I, these are my skill sets, I'm looking for this, and be really honest. I, I found it very interesting to sell myself in the US compared to Australia. It's very different because Americans, they expect confidence. And the yeah. confidence that Americans have in Australia, that's considered arrogant. And I had to be very, very 
blunt and upfront to the point where I'm out of my comfort zone by going to the, directly to these stunt coordinators and say, hey, I'm the new guy in town. You need to hire me because I can do this, this, and this. And, and they listen to you, but then you have to listen to them and ask the question and, and I guess respect whatever they give to you. Don't take no for an answer as well, but also expect, like get ready to run with whatever they give you. And keep asking the same question as well, I find, because everyone has a different opinion. Everyone's got different experiences. But yeah. if you keep asking the same question, you're going to get five different answers. And one of them is going to be right for you because it's not the right answer. There's the right answer for you. But you don't know what you don't know, so you have to you have to explore it. And, yeah, absolutely, receptionists and community managers and just going to events and just, I think, using your intuition. I have a very opportunist kind of mindset where – I just expect to be in the right place at the right time for stuff. Mm. And it's amazing, like especially Hollywood where everyone's in film, um, you can just be chatting to someone at a bus stop and they know people, you know. And mm. yeah, There's a lot of uh, tire kickers as well, so you have to learn to weed the tire kickers out. But you've got to find a way to just keep moving through the community or, or moving on to the next step or the next project, I think. Otherwise, you just get stagnant and stagnation kills passion I, I mean it becomes passion becomes yesterday you know oh, i was going to do that thing but then whatever so you have to you have to keep moving you have to keep finding the next step I, I definitely believe that yeah and on the topic of being uncomfortable this is something mm -hmm. that uh, i feel you, you're very good at being comfortable with the uncomfortable because i mean just look at like the role the career that you've chosen right you're doing things <laughs> that like a large majority of um the human population you know don't do willingly and you get paid for it right so that's yes. that's definitely something unique but i know that you and i we had uh, this talk about kind of like social dating apps and you know i'm quite geeky about it you had some experience and other people had had some experiences how have sort of like yeah, social dating apps also come into the mix of finding new opportunities or finding new friends or connecting in with people in a, in a local area? What sort of lessons around relationships have you learned from those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, women, George, have always been my greatest teachers. And I always try and I have times where periods where I'm considering myself single and unavailable, like I'm just switching that part of myself off, but I always love to have uh, women in my life in some way. And being that I'm so transient and that I'm traveling and, and working on the go all the time at the moment, it makes it long-term relationship hard, but at the same time, yeah, social apps and particularly things like Bumble and Tinder and OkCupid, I've had a lot of success with uh, OkCupid. Just mm -hmm. for meeting people in new cities, you just when I was traveling all the last year, every time I'd go to a new city, I'd switch the app over and and I'd have my keywords embedded into my language that I'd typed out on my profile to, I guess, build the right garden to use a wealth dynamics metaphor, yeah. to build the right garden the butterflies would come to me. And it's quite interesting when you set, when you start refining your strategy and you build a little brick, you know, every day and you keep refining and tweaking something, it's amazing just how much you can be so congruent and transparent and uh, tangible, you know, graspable for, for certain people who need you mm. so that people come to you. And I found, especially when I'm traveling, or I can't use it in LA so much now because I'm pretty much a local, but one of my favorite things to say to people was just, oh, hey, man, you, you seem really cool or just validate them in some way. Hey, you, you seem really trendy. Like uh, I'm, I'm the new guy in town. Mm. Um, do you have any things? Do you recommend any places that I should go see one? 
like I'm only here for a day. Like give them, give them a little spiel, but to say, do you recommend any places? And then if they seem to be a cool person or especially for me, like if they're a beautiful lady or something and, and we have a chat for a few minutes, I say, hey, you seem really cool. Do you want to be my tour guide while I'm here and show me some stuff, you know? Mm. And most people, if you go in with a kind of a child mind and a bit of like the guy who knows what he wants or the person who knows what he wants, and they feel like they have something to give you. I, I think people are genuinely interested in sharing, you know, and, yeah. and that's what I've always done with with the apps. Like I always just send a little message, hey, I noticed you did this. And I try and find the most unique thing about their profile that I can relate to that they probably don't get complimented on. You know, so many women get complimented all the time on the usual stuff, you know, that, mm. that you just you kind of have to think outside the box. You know, you have to think if I was this woman, what do I need the most? You know, what, what does this person need? And I guess be a, a voice and a reflection for them in a way that they haven't heard before. You know? So the more you can connect with people, I think, like, it's just there's so many people we pass every day in the street, but yeah. we're just busy on our mission. We just, we just don't talk to them, you know, and I try to have that. I mean, I get in my own head as well. I'm definitely not perfect, but I try and get myself out of the comfort zone um, mm. as much as possible just because you never know where connections can lead. And, and it's a beautiful thing. You find that person, you know, it might just be you just have a 30-second chat with someone that they, you make them laugh or they make you smile and you just never know. So that's something I always try and do is just remind myself that it's nothing's going to happen unless I make it happen. i gotta, I got to put myself out there, yeah. And, yeah, just for our listeners as well, like, you know, if you've ever been curious about some of these social dating apps, you know, I feel like even for myself it's something that I – never really looked at until like I, I had discussions with people about this in the context of networking and community. And I heard some stories from folks who were saying that, you know, they even use it as a way to actually get people onto their Instagram profile, even get people onto their Snapchat. And I was like, wow, you know, that's a really interesting way of, of using that. And people have also had, you know, there'd be some horror stories as well. But I think it really does have to do a lot with, yeah, as you said, you know, the garden you're creating, what you're putting out, how you see the world, and whether you're going to leverage any of these tools, whether it's a social dating app, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, whatnot, how are you using it effectively for yourself to connect with people, new people, and the right people as well? Because I think what you said there about like, even in the language that you're using on your bio, right? And I find it interesting that mm -hmm. for you, OkCupid okay, you know, has worked a lot better. But yeah, the languaging can obviously have an effect on the types of people you attract, into your life is that why you spent so much time on even the languaging on your okay cupid profile yeah i think just talking specifically about those three apps george i think tinder and a bumble are targeting a different kind of market i think they have mm. less opportunity for you to put more words in yeah. i have a huge i mean I've, i update it and take things out and put new things all, in all the time but in okay cupid mm. uh, you can put, put a lot more stuff in you you're the matching system is based on the questions you answer yeah, and and how you rate those? You you say, uh, is this person a vegetarian? Or so are you a vegetarian? You you might say yes, no, kinda. But how important is it for someone else to say yes along with you? Or are you okay with them being kind? You know, it's like what weight do you give to these answers? And I think that kind of app lends itself a lot more to refinement and searching for depth in people. And like I've I've had like a, a significant portion of women that I've dated for any more than just a couple of dates have all come from OkCupid, okay just I believe because of that, because there's a certain refinement to that. Interesting. Um, but but from what I've seen, I don't want to put them down or, or just like because like, you can't generalize 
these kind of things in such a way. But I think Bumble is looking for more monogamous partners. I think Tinder is more of a hookup app. At the same time, though, I've just been chatting to this lady on Tinder recently. We've, we've chatted on the phone a couple of times, and we're just getting along like best friends. It's kind of interesting. Mm. So connections can come from anywhere, you know, from the intuition. Yes. And you definitely have bad experiences. Like I had a woman take my contact details the other day and God knows what she did with them. She might have put them in some spam directory somewhere, but that's life. You know, there's, there's things you have to be careful of and those negative experiences color your reality for future, you know, and there's mistakes that teach you to play the game and there's mistakes that take you out of the game. And you definitely need to search for, I mean, people talk about stress and people talk about stress being a bad thing. For me as a stuntman, I see stress in two different ways. There's you stress, EU stress, one word, you stress, and distress. Mm. And you stress is being you being in the gym every day doing squats or you know running hard, getting your heart rate up and pushing your limits to expand the elastic band of your comfort zone. And then distress is you breaking a leg or something like that. Like the alarm starts going off in such a way that you can't ignore it. But I think you have to find the edge, whatever it might be, when you're connecting with people. And I look for I'm pretty refined in how I see my comfort zone and what I call a dashboard, my my own feelings and the voices in my head. And I really listen to those and I can discern between the good voices that I should listen to and the bad voices that are just voice of sameness and, and simplicity and, and comfort and conformity, you know, and I, I want to steer away from those voices and go to possibility and, and abundance and just keep trying new things. Mm-hmm. So I always listen to the right, I always try and listen to the right feelings that are going to take me to the edge and and also keep me safe on the edge as well. I think everyone has that compass. The more you talk, the more I can see how like everything is literally related to your line of work. You know, because you got you got to mm-hmm. roll with the punches on a lot of things, and you can't really let fears or things like that stop you from uh, getting physically hurt. Right? A lot of time, most of us, it's it's an emotional wounds that we're dealing with. Mm-hmm. But for you, you take it out on your body in your stunt type of work, and I think all these relationship connections. There's obviously some, some correlations there in terms of your attitude and, and how you look at things. So I guess my next question for you is, you know, what has been the biggest challenge for you in your line of work and just in your journey? I think that would have to be the question of, of significance. It's, I think one of my greatest fears, George, is that uh, you know, if I'm laying on my deathbed and you put the earth that I was a part of for the past you know, 80 or 100 years side by side with the earth that I was never a part of. And if they looked identical, that would scare the absolute shit out of me, you know, that I haven't made an impact in this world in some way. And I kind of knew that, that I wanted to have some big impact in the world. Um, You know, working with people like youth or public speaking, all these things have now come to fruition and I want to keep doing that as well as the stunt work. But at the same time, that vision has also given me the opposite. The confidence has also given me the impatience. This, this clarity of vision has given me the impatience and pushed me into places too quickly that I didn't, that I wasn't ready for, you know, and that could be in personal relationships or it could be in the stunts or whatever. And you see yourself being able to do it, do the thing that connected this person or do this job, but for whatever reason, they just see that you're not ready, these stunt coordinators or whatever. Mm. And there's a saying or that, you know, people who spend time doing driving or doing a certain stunt like falling over or high falls falling off a building, they say that if you're asking the stunt coordinator for the next level, you're probably not ready for it yet. You know, you have to Mm. be able to do 
driving at like 10 out of 10, or sorry, let's, let's just say it's a level 10, not, not 10 out of 10, but you have to be able to do driving at a level, there's like level 10 if you want to get the work that's like a level four. Like you just have to be so refined at level four to get to level 10. And that gives you a certain, um, I mean, from that, that constant persistence and also patience with it, it gives you a certain life experience. Mm. And I never had that when I was in Melbourne and I sort of, I think I might've rubbed people up the wrong way a few times through my own immaturity and the persistence has got me to where I am, but also the patience would have helped a lot sooner as well. You know, yeah. if I had just been more patient with it, uh, listen to the mentors, listen to the, uh, the community because you're always getting feedback, whether you like it or not, whether it's verbal or not, mm. how people treat you and respond to you is feedback. There's, there's always feedback that you should listen to. And there's always feedback that is irrelevant for you because other people want different things or on a different mission, but you're always getting feedback, you know? And for me, it's been a journey of not trying to get significance from other people. I'm not trying too hard to serve people or receive a reward from other people. And it's quite interesting. Whenever I try to go out there and connect with beautiful women or get stunt jobs, whenever I try and show up for someone because of my own needs, whether I know it or not at the time, I'll always get rejected. But whenever I step into a connection with someone with an attitude of service and, and curiosity and willingness to help, it's amazing. The, the response is just so different. There's something so deeply energetic about it. Um, and I don't know how to measure it, but I just think that would be such a fascinating thing to measure um, about people's states and, and the place that they're coming from. Are they coming from abundance and, and a willingness to share versus scarcity and a need to be complete and whole? Are they trying to receive or are they trying to give? Yeah. Wow, man. Well, I'm sure people will get a lot of out of what you've just been talking about in terms of, you know, just generally your, your attitude and your outlook on things. I think it's a um, probably a positive and healthy way of looking at the world. But of course, it <laughs> doesn't come without its challenges, right? The next set of questions are meant to be a lot more personal. Now, when I say personal, I think we've been getting pretty personal so far. But the next ones are um, usually a set of questions that I ask, and they're meant to be a bit more rapid fire. So are you ready for these next set of questions? Absolutely. Let's go. I only fire on rapid fire, George. That's all, all right. I do. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, beautiful. Well, first one up, we've got, what's one book that has had the biggest impact on your life? Oh, I knew that question was coming. I don't have a straight answer. Um, I think, actually, I want to I wanna put a different spin on this not through arrogance and plugging my own book, but my own book had probably the most effect on me, not through the content that I wrote, but just the person, again, talking about significance, the person that I had to become to write that book changed me more than anything else. And there's a whole mm -hmm. bunch of other books that have influenced and changed my way of thinking, such as uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I, I can rattle them off. You, you know them all, George. You know what I mean? Like there's a bunch there classic yeah but at the same time i think it's it was definitely my book and the journey that i had to go through to, to punch that out yeah what's your favorite quote or motto what's my favorite quote or motto that depends on uh that depends on the day because i'm just such a, a chameleon i soak things up in such a unique way there's always a different flavor so how about today? and i think today today is kind of this statement i am and, and that's a certain patience and presence that I'm trying to give myself right now to say, I am Brett, I am a stuntman, or to say it in such a way where I, like one of my favorite sayings is, 
I'm doing that thing again where I beat myself up for not doing the right thing or I'm doing that thing again where I try too hard or whatever it might be. And when you take ownership of the word I am and, and the statement and situation you're in, you become very connected to it. And I think you can hold it out in front of you when you say that out loud to yourself. You can, you can take your situation and name it and claim it and you hold it out in front of you and, and really have a good look at it. You become, you notice it and you're not, you're not a part of it anymore. You're still, a, you're still a part, but you're not, it's not owning you. you. You take ownership of it. What do the words, it will come mean to you? Have patience. Have patience because the universe has its own plan and other people have their own plan. And if you want to keep paddling and pushing yourself out into the ocean, you have to ride with the currents and the waves. Otherwise, those waves are just going to push against you and you have to go with the flow. And it's funny when you allow that flow to happen, everything comes to you. But especially for me, this is my advice to my own self You know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago. If you don't wait for the timing, then... It's not going to come, and it will never come. If you were to choose any animal to beat, what would it be and why? I think my animal is a lion, but it's it's a lion that is, and it, it's kind of. I saw Brotherhood of the Wolf. That's one of my favorite movies, and uh, I've seen it a few times. Not not recently, but Brotherhood of the Wolf has a, uh, and I probably shouldn't spoil it. I, I, I might have just spoiled the movie, but there's a there's a lion in that, and the lion is kitted up with armor. It's not just a normal lion. It's a lion that's scarred and it's a lion that has learned its lessons, I guess. And it, it kind of carries a, uh, a story and it carries, I guess, equipment. It carries the tools and resources on its back, um, which again, I know is not a straight answer, but I'm fascinated by this lion and I don't know why. Maybe the lion needs it, its armor to protect itself. Maybe it's learned that it's a good thing to protect itself in that way and have its equipment on its back. But that, for me, is always stuck out, that lion. And knowing what you know now, what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone looking to follow a path similar to yours? I would say learn your intuition, learn your compass, learn your dashboard, to use a, uh, another driving metaphor, uh, <laughs> and learn what that uh, feels like, learn what that sounds like. I think everyone has an intuition. And when you're following your path from that intuition, everything goes perfect. And you won't always be happy, but you'll be healthy. You'll be emotionally healthy, spiritually healthy, physically healthy. But when we follow this kind of other compass or we're reading from the wrong dashboard, then things get cloudy and we start taking advice or or, uh, lessons or directions from the wrong thing, from our need for significance, from our need for community or connection or whatever it might be. But I think everyone has a compass and it might be a vision for you. It might be a certain gut feel. I don't have the gut feel so much, I believe. I think for me, it's, it's definitely voices and a and vision. And that for me has always kept me safe and has always kept me happy and healthy. And I think that everyone needs to find that as well. And finally, before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to promote with our listeners? Absolutely. Uh, so... Because I'm such a fan, George, of helping people get out of their comfort zone, Yes, I love to do that to myself every day, and I love to have people around me who like to do that as well. And what I want to offer to your community, George, is for the first five people to get in touch with me via email, um, and you can do that at brett at a com. brett at a com. That's all one word. 
you can get in touch with me. The first five people who do that, I'm going to give them a half an hour free coaching session on where they're at right now, where they might be stuck, where they might need clarity, where they might need comfort, where they might need certainty, where they might need resources or inspiration to, I guess, pack their bags in such a way where I can then kick them back out there in the most beautiful way possible. And to get back out there and ask that person out or ask for advice from that mentor or to complete that book or to take the next step, maybe set themselves on fire and uh, jump off a building. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Well, for listeners, I will, of course, put Brett's email address in the show notes. So you'll be able to contact him. And remember, it's the first five. And I can personally vouch for Brett as well. If you are wanting to get some of this confidence, this vulnerability, and this ability to be comfortable in the uncomfortable, who else than getting that from a stuntman directly? So I'll put that in the show notes. First five, guys. Um, I hope you get in quick. And Brett, it's been an honor to have you on the show today. Absolutely, George. My pleasure. And I love your work as always. You've got a great community there and you're doing some great stuff with it. So always happy to support. And uh, yeah, keep it real, guys. Keep it. Uh, keep pushing the edge of your comfort zones and uh, we'll chat to you soon. Much love, Brett. See you, George. Have a good one, man. You too, buddy. And if you want to hear more from the It Will Come Show Fireside Chats, the eyes may be able to see. Then go to itwillcomeshow.com slash podcast. You cannot fail. Believe it.